a film which feels uncomfortably like a shop window, flogging an unmissable three-for-one deal in acting. Oh, I gotta sneeze. <laughs> Off the top. A film which feels uncomfortably like a shop window, flogging an unmissable three-for-one deal on acting, makeup, and visual effects. That's Robbie Collin of the Daily Telegraph UK talking about our feature review, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which I watched for one reason only, because I knew Jessica Chastain would get nominated for an Oscar. She did, and so my review of the film coming up. Also, as recommended by Dan Stanzik. Because you got to watch this show. I'm like, I'm not going to be interested just from the title alone. No, no, no. It's your sense of humor. The Sex Lives of College Girls, currently available on HBO Max. I watched the first two episodes. There's nine episodes in season one. And going old school for our old movie, Heat, one of my all-time favorites. I forgot I watched it. It was on TV the other day, so I watched it a little bit of Al Pacino, Robert De Niro going at it. And, of course, our wild card is the Oscar nominations. And the Oscar nominations came out on Tuesday. I can't wait to tell you my reaction to all of it. But the other real wild card? Chris Cody is coming to you right now from Radio Row. He is locked in for the Super Bowl in Los Angeles this week. Chris, set the stage for us. Can you hear it? Can you hear the sadness of Radio Row? <laughs> oh, I'm looking at Trey Wingo walk by. There's Kenny Mayne over there, Pat McAfee, Jim McMahon. Just a, a who's who out here. None of them are talking to me, but I'm just watching them from afar. It's great. Uh, say hi to Wingo for me. Say hi to Kenny for me. I don't know Jim McMahon, but I'm sure he's a great guy as well. <laughs> the, the big issue, but Jim McMahon's got to be wearing sunglasses. The big thing is, though, as you told previously on Cinephile, when you were there, you're going to go to the comedy store. Tell me you oh. went to the comedy store. I went on Tuesday night, which is, I guess, the night to go because all the comedians are in town. They're not touring. Brad Williams, who's a comedian, a successful comedian, he's a fan of our show, so he reached out to us, took us to dinner, met David Spade at dinner, went to the comedy store after. He set us up with a table. It was just so much fun. We were laughing all night. It was an epic experience. Like I, 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 lo- I love stand-up comedy, so it was just right up my alley. It was. And then, did I mention I met David Spade? This I don't feel like I've said that enough. I want to hear about David Spade, yeah. I mean, he was at a, he was a sitting at the restaurant near us. Brad, the comedian, knew him, so he's like, I, "I'm gonna go say hi." And he's like, I'm, "I'm gonna have him come over and say hi." We were like, "Oh my god, that makes me sweat." Now I don't know what I'm gonna say. Um, David Spade, a leg sitter, by the way, at his table, he was like sitting on a leg. You know what I mean? At a booth, I'm, I, it's a weird thing at a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like I feel like at a restaurant you sit. I've never sat on my leg. I do it at home sometimes. I never oh. do it at a restaurant. I thought, sorry, I confused for a second. I thought you meant you were, he was crossing his legs, which I'm not crazy about either. But he actually sits on he, his leg. He had his like right leg under his butt, kind of to make him oh. see. If, I don't know. To, I don't know if it was to make himself seem taller. Yes. I, I th- from afar, I thought he had the Phil Jackson thing going on, where he had like his own chair that they, he's so famous that they put a chair to help his back. Yeah. But I was like, no. I, after after investigating, he's a leg sitter. It was it was really fun. That but overall, a- just insane night. They, I can't put into words how much fun I had last night. Just shoot me, David Spade, a leg sitter. I mean, that's the kind of details you're getting here in Cinephile, not getting that <laughs> stuff anywhere else. Uh, we look forward to more of Cody's tales. I will quickly tell you about my Olympics experience because uh, it's been fun. Yeah, how's that going? It's been great. I really been. You look it. great on it. I've seen it. Oh, I've, thanks, tu- I've tuned in a little here or there, but you just look like you're owning it. Oh, I appreciate it. Man. Winter Gold is a show. It's available on Peacock, 11 a.m. Eastern. Then, of course, you can watch it anytime oh, you want. Know. It's been a lot of fun. It reminds me when I was filling in for Oberman because it's a solo show, and uh, you kind of just just own the stage, as as Chris just said. Ton of highlights. Stuff all over the place. Listen, I know the hockey, I know the figure skating, curling, but some of this biathlon is unbelievable. Let's ski. Have you, and screwed, have have you screwed up any names? Oh, have you screwed up God. any names? Have I screwed up names? Are you kidding? The, the one thing we do, though, is we try to go through the highlights ahead of time, which is invaluable. 
I mean, you and I never worked together when I was, you know, doing sports or something like that. But you can just hand me a sheet. I'll read it. We've done basketball, football, hockey. This stuff, like, bro, unless you watch it and practice and rehearse, you're not going to know what the hell you're saying. And for those names, I'll practice it a few times. But inevitably, I'm probably butchering one out of every seven. Like, I think most <laughs> of them pretty good, like the Estonian names, Russian. But what if I'm like, just moving on. Check out the counterpart from Kazakhstan. And you just move on. But the whole crew is great. Dan Steer, our producer, is awesome. Former ESPN guy. Dave Teodosio. I have a writer. Like, that's the best part. Dave is my writer. I'm like, well, listen, I, at first I'm so arrogant. I'm like, I don't think I need a writer. Like, I don't know how to write. You know, third grade English. Like, no, no. It's great. And Dave's an awesome writer, movie guy, went to film school. He's putting in Fargo references, Men with Brooms. We do a segment built just for Cinephile where we talk about a winter sport and then link it to a movie. So we've done uh, Downhill Racer, Great Redford movie, Men with Brooms, a curling film. We did Mighty Ducks the other day, Emilio Estevez. So it is definitely World of Adnan, uh, worlds colliding as we're talking Winter Olympics. The one aspect that I did want to mention to you, though, because you said last week that I was unlikable because of this, is the driver. How's it going? First day he comes... Cody, right out of the gate. And listen, <laughs> you and I are both pretty chatty guys. We're pretty friendly. When the Levitar oh, no. crew, crew has like a meet and greet, they send Chris out there because they know Cody's yes. a friendly guy. He's a good guy. Like, Dan don't want to talk to people. Stu's pretty good. Uh, yes. Billy's a little sarcastic. You know, Mike Ryan doesn't want to talk to anybody. You're you the had guy. a chatty Kathy? You had a chatty Kathy? I Let me where that tell you about Ochamski. Ochamski <laughs> and the Mets, you know, he was an unbelievable player. And people don't realize... Because I've met Strawberry. I know you've met all these guys, but I met oh Strawberry, and he was good. I thought he could have been better when you look <laughs> at his career, but he was pretty good. It's 6 a.m. I don't want to hear about your thoughts on the New York Mets. And you're too nice to say something to him, so you probably didn't. You probably just, this is your venting. Like, you probably haven't told anybody. You've just been, like, talking to him for four straight days. So that was day one. I <laughs> talked to my wife about it, and she goes, listen, you got to walk into that car, 6 a.m., headphones on. Like, don't be subtle, right? You're, pay- you're paying for the service. Yeah. All right, headphones on. So he got that right out of the gate. Headphones, we're like, okay, this guy don't want to talk. We're good. Day three, I said, can you pick me up at 6.15? He came at 6.30. Oh. Right out of the gate. It's a little bit icy. When it's icy, it's dicey. Great Bill Pito line. The <laughs> next day, oh, sorry, and that day, took a wrong route. I go, no, you're taking the wrong exit. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Next day? This is your thing, man. You drive. Day four, 6.15, 6.30. I go, oh, Day five, God. I'm going to need you at six. I go, let's is he apologizing at least? Yeah, is there like... like... It's early. I'm in Staten Island. It takes me an hour to get here. I understand that. Day five, Ugh. I said, let's say 6 a.m., 6.10. That's enough. Change of plans. Things are not working out. If I had any sort of integrity, I would have told him to his face. and said, listen, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a welcher. So I'm I, with you. I texted. Wednesday night, <laughs> I just came in. Uh, thanks for everything. Really appreciate you. I'm not going to need you in your services anymore, but I will recommend you to others. Best oh, your family, go Mets. You know what he wrote back? Thanks. Not, oh. even, not even a pleasure work with you. Like, I walked in. I was like, I gave him money up front. Like, let's go. And this was just, thanks. So here's the question to you. Is he <gasps> pissed? Is he just succinct? Because I actually think he's probably relieved. I don't have to wake up at 4 in the morning and drive this punk to Stanford and hang out in Connecticut for five hours. I think he's just a brief guy. He's like, oh, thanks. I think that he's probably like, what happened? What could I have done? I mean, like, I mean, geez, doesn't this guy get traffic? I'm sure he's kind of thinking, like, man, this guy got. But, like, are, do you have a new driver or you're just like, no, I'll drive? I'll drive myself. Because to be totally honest, the crew is so good. 
I overestimate how much work I would need to do. Like I saw So you're not God. like no. you weren't crushing out a bunch of valuable work during Correct. this drive? I, I read for like ten minutes some Olympic recaps, and I'm like, okay, I'm good. Then I would kinda of close my eyes, nod off. I start hearing about the eighty six Mets again. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> and then on the way home, I definitely have nothing to do. Then I'm just looking at Instagram. I'm looking at Twitter, like there's nothing for me. Like we're gonna... It's just awkward. It's just like an awkward thing. It's like why am I in a car Wait, with somebody? I can right drive now? myself. I can drive. I have a car. Why are oh. you paying somebody two hundred dollars to drive See, you? Just, it just proves you're not made for that. Le- like you no. are made to be a celebrity who's very um, well off and can afford it, but you're not made to be a guy with a driver. You're just a normal guy. Exactly. You're at Nan Yeah, exactly. When the snow comes. Some I people it just snow. fits. Yeah, it just doesn't fit you. It did not it's okay. Fit me. So driving Mr. Verk was a very short <laughs> tale. It lasted five days. This is no driving Miss Daisy. We got our title. Yeah, exactly. We do have our title, Driving Mr. Burke. All right, let's talk a little Oscars here, because I was in the midst of doing all the Olympic stuff, and then I had, of course, had to scroll and see what was happening with the Academy Awards, and I didn't see all of it in real time. And every year, Cody, there's just one thing I want, right? Every year I go, okay, what's the one nomination I really want? And then everything else, I just accept it. And what's the one that I, I know will not happen, but I hope that it happens? And then there's a couple that I get angry about. So we'll go through it, but I'll, I'll explain that one right out of the gate. The one thing I cared about, and you will know this because I had a hero as the best picture of the year. I'm like, hey, I just want to see it get nominated for Best Foreign Film, which every prognosticator had it as a lock. Drive My Car from Japan is going to win. But definitely, a hero's getting nominated. Farhadi's a big name. The guy's won two Oscars. He's on set of file everywhere. So I didn't even bother looking. I just checked the Best Picture nominations. I saw some of the acting stuff. On that drive home, I checked. I'm like, all right, so Farhadi, What? A hero did not get nominated for Best International Feature Film. There's five movies better than this? I'm like, are you kidding? There's no movies better than this. It's my Best Picture of the Year. So let's start there. International Feature Film, and this is honestly the biggest takeaway. Drive My Car from Japan is the biggest story of the Oscars. This is a movie which, as I talked about previously on the podcast, rave reviews among the critics. First two hours want to drive my car off a cliff. Last hour is brilliant. And... It's up for best, not only best feature film, it's also up for best director, best screenplay. It's unbelievable. It's huge news. Okay, what else? Flea from Denmark. Huge story. As predicted here in Cinephile, triple threat. It's nominated for best animated film, best documentary, and best international feature film. The Hand of God, which I watched from Italy, Paolo Sorrentino. Good, not great. And then there's two others which I haven't seen. The Worst Person in the World, which is also nominated for screenplay. Can't wait to see it. Hear great things. And this is what knocked out a hero from Bhutan. The movie is called Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom. We've got this brilliant story about a man who's trying to tell the truth. And is he duplicitous? Is he righteous? It's about morality and social media and life in Iran. And it got beat by a yak. That's the movie that beat out a hero, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom. So if anybody can tell me where I can find this film, which I'm already not going to like because I'm prejudiced against it because it took the slot from a hero, please let me know. That's all I wanted. I just want to see a hero get nominated for Best Foreign Film. That's all I ask. Couldn't happen. So let's go to what actually did happen. Best Picture, Belfast, loved it. As you know, it's my number two film of the year. Let's go. Coda, this is a movie that Samson was raving about. I go, listen, I appreciate the fact it's about children of deaf adults. That's the title, Coda. Good story in terms of something that hasn't been told in terms of deaf adults. But the story is so schmaltzy. It's so sentimental. It's not a good movie. It's up for Best Picture. Fine. It's different. Don't Look Up, which me and Samson both panned. That's up for Best Picture. But shout out to Adam McKay, Metal Arc alumni. Drive My Car, big story, Japanese film. Fourth straight year now, a foreign film has cut through for a Best Picture nomination. All right? That's pretty notable. Roma. Parasite One, Last Year Minari, and now Drive My Car. The Academy has gotten a lot younger. It's got a lot more diverse. You know, in the world right now, we're talking about diversity. You want to have different voices, different people. Well, think about this. There's some numbers for you. 
The Academy Awards, right? Oscar So White was 2016. Everyone went nuts with that hashtag. Well, afterward, they've got more diverse classes and more people. 683 members in 2016, 774 in 2017, on and on and on. In other words, 4,421 of the Academy's approximately 9,400 current active members, or 47%, were not part of the organization just six years ago. Think about that. Think about the Baseball Hall of Fame. You and I are baseball guys. Imagine if 47% of the membership changed over six years. You'd go, well, this is a totally radically different group. So that group is going to be more accepting of avant-garde films, foreign films, therefore drive my cars in. Dune, as expected. Every year, there's going to be one sci-fi, one blockbuster film. It's Dune. King Richard, shout out to our guy, Ronaldo Marcus Green, the director. He can say he directed a film which is up for best picture. Licorice Pizza, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. I don't think it's his best work. It's up for best picture. Nightmare Alley, a great film noir. My boy Martin Scorsese apparently wrote an article in the Los Angeles Times, an op-ed saying how much he loved the film. Marty loves his film noir. Power of the Dog, which I think is going to win, Chris. 12 nominations, leading the field. Get ready for Power of the Dog. Start barking at the moon. And my second best film of the top 10, West Side Story. The question you're all asking, how many has Chris Cody seen? I'll recap them again. Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. I saw King Richard. I've seen one out of how many? So like, Nine okay. films for best picture. I didn't, see, I didn't see Don't Look Up, but... We did a thing in LA with Adam McKay. All right, Adam McKay was Adam McKay was having an Oscars nominations party at his house at 5 a.m. on whenever the day was Tuesday, I believe it was. Yes, Tuesday. And we were invited. Well, we weren't invited. Dan was invited, and we were like, "Hey, we're in LA, so we're just going to show up." And we uh, we did, and it was kind of awkward. But luckily, he was in a good mood because they got nominated for a bunch of stuff. So we were able to create some content. We didn't get kicked out. But it was just just picture Adam McKay and all his people that made the movie celebrating this. And then in the back of the room, just me. Okay. <laughs> well, let's back up. So what was his reaction when the pirate ship walked in? It, well, it was like we knocked and he just like, he, of course, Adam McKay has the thing that he like slides the thing over and looks at you. And he was just like, uh, hello. And we were like, hey, you said if we were ever in town. We're with Dan Lebitzard's show, and he just kind of did the thing where, like, I'm not going to be an asshole and tell you guys to go fuck yourselves, so I'm going to just... And Dan was not with you guys. Dan wasn't there, no. <laughs> See, if Dan's there, it's like, hey, I brought some friends. Like, yeah, no problem. All good. But it's like, no, no, who the hell are you guys? We're Dan's friends. He is knew. Dan here? No, yeah. Dan is not here. Dan got invited, but he's not here. We're his friends, though. Like, we're here. We're a proxy. We're a Lebitzard proxy. It, it would have been so awkward if hadn't if it hadn't gone well for them in terms of nominations. Luckily, they got a bunch of nominations, so it was. But you got to go check that out. If you got to go listen to what we did with Adam McKay, I it was awkward, funny, and joyous all at the same time. I just imagine if things had not gone well, they give the best picture. It would have been my fault. It would have been all right. of our fault. And right. there's you, like just eating chips. You go, you got any more dip? Do yeah. you any more dip with this stuff? I got good you. bagel spread. Yeah, good yeah, bagel really spread. Good. You guys got yeah, here. That's a nice spot you got. Here. How much is one more? <laughs> Back to the nominees. Best actor in a leading role. No real surprises here. Will Smith's going to win. He's the favorite for King Richard. Andrew Garfield, excellent in TikTok boom. Tick, tick, boom, excuse me. Benedict Cumberbatch, Power of the Dog, channeling Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood. Javier Bardem and Being the Ricardos, the one that I love the most. Again, we're going to do this later on, like as a preview of the Oscars. What will win? What should win? 
but I'll already tip my hand. If I could have a vote here, I'd go with Denzel and the Tragedy of Macbeth. I would have liked to have seen the Tragedy of Macbeth nominated for Best Picture, and I love Denzel's performance. Actor in a supporting role. Sharon Hines in Belfast, love him. Troy Kotzer in Coda, he's the best part of Coda. It's rare to see a deaf actor recognized by the Academy. Marley Matlin was previously won an Oscar for Children of a Lesser God back in 86, but Troy Kotzer gets through, good for him. Jesse Plemons, big surprise, nominated for The Power of the Dog. J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee in The Power of the Dog, he's the favorite. Two head scratchers here. I thought for sure Affleck was a cinch. I thought Affleck was getting nominated for The Tender Bar. Clearly the Academy, who likes to, you know, rise and fall stories. The guy won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting, then made a bunch of crappy movies, then gets uh, snubbed for Best Director, but his film ends up winning Argo, Best Picture. Then he goes away, does a bunch of crap, but now he's back. He's back with J-Lo. He's quit drinking. They're probably like, you know, screw you. You got J-Lo back, that's enough. We're not giving you an Oscar nomination. <laughs> You've had too I good loved- of a year. <laughs> yeah, too good. We're enough. I love J.K. Simmons. I've had him on Cinephile twice. Great guy. He's in being the Carters for like 12 minutes. There's nothing special about that performance. I'm shocked. And I love J.K. Simmons. Good for him. Dude, you got a nomination? I don't get it. Jesse Plemons, Power of the Dog. I don't get it. The one I would have liked to have seen, only for my amusement, Jared Leto, who is so over the top in the House of Gucci. As the New York Times said, rather than just playing a ham, Rather than just being a ham sandwich, he's the entire mortadelle. He just, he just gets after it. Not nominated. Actress in a leading role, strong category. Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Ben Lyons is pumped. Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos. Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers. Of all the nominees for Best Picture, there's 10 of them. Five for Best Director. Five in all the acting categories. Actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress. Do the math here, okay? That's 35 nominees. I've seen 34 of them. The one that I haven't seen, which I will see this week and we'll review next week, is Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers. That's the one nomination I'm missing. I will rectify that this week. Uh, Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which we'll discuss in a Is second. Is that a high number for you? Like normally, how normally, many? Every year at the Oscars, I'm always at that number. There's always like one or two because it's, uh, it's a little bit of a surprise. Someone gets nominated. There's one thing missing. So, But I'm always at like a 95 percentile. Yeah. And then once the nominations come out, I do my homework and we're ready to go. By the way, the Oscars aren't until March 27th. So I'm sure many of you Could they are get like, pushed back? I thought they were supposed to. Are they going to get pushed back? I, I keep... A year ago, it was February 28th. This year, they went late March to be safe. And the yeah. virus is, is hopefully going down with Omicron. So we should be okay. But I, I know a lot of people, they wait for the nominations. They go, okay, I've got six weeks to watch everything. So the next six weeks, these films are going to get a big boost from all the people watching those movies. Actress in a supporting role, love Judy Dench in Belfast, 87 years of age. Kirsten Dunst in Power of the Dog. Ariana DeBose for West Side Story should win. Anjanou Ellis is great in King Richard. If you go back and listen to Reynaldo Marcus Green, he oh, spoke she got nominated. Ellis. She did get nominated. That's good. Yes, exactly. That's you know King Richard. Anjanou Ellis does get nominated. And Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter wasn't crazy about the film, but I did think her performance was good. A category Cody will know, especially when his daughter gets a little bit older, animated feature film. Encanto, huge. Flea, again, one of three nominees, massive for this film. Luca, I think the Verk boys are cheering for Luca. Shaz a big fan of Luca. The Mitchells versus the Machines, which somehow I miss. So I'm going to go watch that in the next couple of weeks. It's on, uh, I believe it's on Netflix. I'll watch it with the boys. And Raya and the Last Dragon. That sounds like that's right up girl dad territory. I am all about Encanto right now. Like my kid, I, I know every song. We don't we talk don't about talk Bruno. It's Bruno. a banger. It's a banger. I mean, How about the fact that that song is not nominated for Best Original Song due to some sort of eligibility rules? That song is everywhere, and yet it's not nominated for an Oscar, even though that's the song. It passed Let It Go for, for streams. It's like the right. most streamed song ever. Cinematography, every five one of these films should win. They're all incredible. Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, I would vote for Bruno Del Bono, amazing. And of course, Janusz Kaminski, longtime Spielberg collaborator for West Side Story. Those five films are all gorgeously shot. Would have liked to have seen Belfast replace one of those. 
I don't know which one it would have been, though, because all five are great. Costume design, you got your usual categories, Nightmare Alley, Cyrano, Cruella, West Side Story. Directing is always interesting. I believe we're going to have a female win Best Director back-to-back years. Jane Campion, the favorite right now for The Power of the Dog. She did The Piano, which came out back in 1993 and lost to Steven Spielberg's Schindler's List that year. Well, this year, it's a rematch. Spielberg's up for West Side Story, Campion for The Power of the Dog, the great Paul Thomas Anderson. Again, not crazy about Licorice Pizza, but just love seeing racking up nominations. Best Director. Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, which I loved. And the one that really surprised people, Risuki Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. He is up for Best Director. Good news there. Documentaries, fingers crossed, Cody and I are hoping to have Stanley Nelson on next week. He got nominated. He and Tracy A. Curry for a film called Attica. Of course, Pacino's famous line in Dog Day Afternoon. Attica! Attica! It's up for Best Documentary. I don't think it'll win. The two favorites right now are Flea, there's that name again, and Summer of Soul from Questlove. Supposed to be fantastic. Other nominees, Writing with Fire and Ascension. But hopefully Stanley Nelson next week here on Cinephile. Other categories, you got your film editing. I've already discussed how pissed I am about feature film. A hero gets locked up. Uh, music is always a good one. If you're a Radiohead fan, Johnny Greenwood, of course, is part of the band, who did an awesome job with Phantom Thread. He's nominated for The Power of the Dog. Don't look up. If you're a Succession fan, Nicholas Brattel does the score to Succession, those great opening credits. He's up for Don't Look Up. Dune Hans Zimmer, a legendary composer. And Canto, as Chris just mentioned, doing very well. Jermaine Franco and Parallel Mothers, which I hope to see this week. The best song, it's not going to be we need to talk about Bruno, but look at the list right here and you go, okay, how, like, these are heavyweights here. All right, how the hell is Beyonce going to lose? Be Alive from King Richard. Dos Oreguitos from Encanto. Music and lyrics by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Already you got Beyonce and LMM. You got Down to Joy from Belfast. I'm voting for Van Morrison, even though crazy anti-vaxxer, which may hurt him. No Time to Die, Billie Eilish. How big is that? And then Diane Warren, that's just the, the, you know, the fifth race there, four good days. But you got Billie Eilish, Van Morrison, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Beyonce. Wait, so another Encanto song got nominated? Yeah, and I, now I, I we don't talk about the, Bruno? Right, somebody will tweet me and explain it to me, Cinephile Pod. But for some reason, we need to talk about Bruno, not nominated for some reason. But Dos Oreguitos from Encanto hmm. is nominated. So. I don't like it figure that part out. Uh, production design, good category again, Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy Macbeth, and West Side Story. Then you got the short film, sound, and all the rest of it. I know the one question you're asking, what about Spider-Man? That's one of the big movies of the year. What did it get? It got one nomination. Spider-Man No Way Home is up for visual effects. Good category. No Time to Die, the Bond film, Dune, Free Guy with our boy Ron Reynolds, and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Last week, as we wrap up the talk here on the Oscar nominations, always curious about the writing. No movie can start without a good script. Adapted screenplay, Power of the Dog, Jane Campion, The Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal, screenplay by John Space and Denis Villeneuve, Eric Roth for Dune. Denis Villeneuve, by the way, another big snub, did not get nominated for Best Director, does get in for screenplay. Risuki Hamaguchi and Takamasa U for Drive My Car and Sion Heater for Coda. And original screenplay is always a good category. Belfast, Kenneth Branagh. Don't Look Up, so this is where McKay gets nominated. Not just picture, but he wrote the screenplay and co-wrote the story. King Richard, Licorice Pizza, again, Paul Thomas Anderson, huge. Double nominee and The Worst Person in the World, which I heard is a great film by Eskiel Vogt and Joaquin Trier. Uh, that film is up for screenplay as well. So those are your nominees. Again, to recap, my biggest snub, I'm pissed about a hero. But other snubs, Ben Affleck's a big snub. You know the big one everyone's talking about? 
Lady Gaga did not get nominated for House of Gucci. When you look back, Best Actress, I guess you could make a case to slide her in there, but the film was completely ignored by the Academy. Clearly, uh, those voting did not think it was a particularly good film, but that's probably the big one. If someone says to you, Cody, you want to sound smart, hey, what's the big snub from the Oscars? Go, wow, how about Lady Gaga didn't get nominated? No Ben Affleck for The Tender Bar, Ruth Naga for Passing, and Denis Villeneuve for Director. Those are the few that stand out to me. Uh, but of course, the Oscars beyond all, it's a popularity race, but of a rat race, that's how it looks to me. That's what the story is for now. We will talk plenty more Oscars in the weeks ahead. Once again, going into the Oscars in late March, I will do a full full version, what will win, what should win, and I believe with DraftKings, they definitely have Oscar contests and stuff, so we will be involved with that here on Cinephile. Mm-hmm. I will help you win. You're going to say, how do I win? How the hell do I know what is going to win for, you know, best documentary feature? I got you. How about... How about makeup and hairstyling? Don't worry. You come to Cinephile, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The, the tricky ones are always the shorts. I see John Short Sally film. right now, by the way. Just giving you a little update. The basketball I see, I see John Sally, yeah. He's walking nice. by. Nice. Best team sports nice. show. Yeah. Get him on Cinephile. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's your wild card out of the gate. Now let's talk a little bit of movies. First and foremost, we talk about the eyes of Tammy Faye, which as my buddy Michael Lombardi said on the GM Shuffle. You know, I said, what do you know about Tammy Faye? He goes, just the makeup. I said, yeah. He said, her face. That's why the film is called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Heavy, heavy eyeshadow. Like, just incredible. The eyelashes so thick. I love the way the movie starts. First five minutes, she's getting her makeup done. And the woman says to her, hey, maybe a little less. She goes, no, that's my look. Heavy in the eyes. No surprise, the eyes of Tammy Faye was nominated for makeup and hairstyling, along with Coming to America. Coming to America gets an Oscar nomination with makeup and hairstyling. It'll be doing Battle with House of Gucci, Dune, and Cruella. Anyways, the reason I saw the film was not for the eye makeup of Tammy Faye. It's to see Jessica Chastain, who gives another excellent performance. She's a very good actress. She's got a strong accent. Sounds a little bit like Frances McDormand in Fargo. Like, oh, yeah, I don't mind, I don't mind talking to you. Yeah, I just want to get my eyes done. So she's got a little bit of that kind of Midwestern twang going. Tammy Faye meets Jim Baker. He's a preacher. 
but he's a bit of a con man, all right? He's a man of God, but he's also a man of money. So they start their fellowship together. They're broadcasting for the church, but of course they're siphoning money for themselves. They're up to no good, these dastardly people. Vincent D'Onofrio, a wonderful character actor. He plays Jerry Falwell, who's all about you know, discrimination and you know, pounding against those who are against his own beliefs. Here's what i got to tell you, though. The movie isn't very good, okay? The second half kind of is all over the place. It doesn't really have a strong narrative hook. You don't really feel for any of the characters. Jessica Chastain is an excellent actress, and certainly this is the kind of movie that gets rewarded by the Academy or those types of performances because it's showy, because you can't tell it's her. She's got an accent, beehive hair, heavy makeup, etc. But just because she disappears into a character doesn't necessarily mean it's a good performance. I'll take the nomination for her because I do like her, but the film itself, I'm giving it two Maple Leafs. Nothing particularly special when it comes to the eyes of Tammy Faye. These eyes are not looking in the right direction. Uh, Michael Showalter, by the way, the director who did do a film I loved called The Big Sick. One other new to talk about, The Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO Max. Four 18-year-old freshman roommates at Essex College in Vermont, a bundle of contradictions and hormones. These sexually active college girls are equal parts lovable, and infuriating. It's from Mindy Kaling, so funny in the office. Her and Justin Noble created it. And I'm thinking to myself, Cody, why would I want to watch this? I don't, I don't want to watch about four teenage girls and their hormones. So I watched a couple episodes. As Dan had said to me, he goes, trust me, you're going to like the humor because it is filthy. And the one who's particularly really funny is Umrit Carr, Canadian brown girl. You know I'm going to rep her. She plays Bella Malhotra. And she's just there to get laid. Like She just wants to go to the party and get after it. The funniest, uh, spoiler alert, the funniest thing, I'm giving you his time here to go ahead, down cuff spoiler alert, the funniest thing in the first episode, she goes to a party, she wants to be a comedy writer, clearly Mindy Kaling, based on this character on herself, brown girl, wants to be a writer. She goes there and she's trying to infiltrate the I don't call it the fraternity, but yeah, I guess it's the fraternity, the guys who are the writing people, the, the SNL of the college. So how does she break through? She gives them all hand jobs. Like, it's a hysterical montage. She's like, just a gleeful look on her face, giving five different guys hand jobs, and that's how they're going to walk them right into the group. So that's did Mindy the, Kaling do this? That's the question, right? You got to see yourself, okay? <laughs> clearly based on personal experience, right, Mindy? That's how you got your foot in the door. A brilliant writer, of course, very talented, but hey, we all have to draw from experience. But I filmed the rest of the show fairly predictable. You got the one attractive blonde, spoiler alert, she's gay. Okay, I saw that one coming. There's the one who, by the way, is Timothy Chalamet's sister, Pauline. Very kind of, I don't want to say dumpy. That's a harsh word. It's not dumpy. She's not overweight. But kind of like, you know, stuck in within herself, kind of nerdy, kind of geeky. Okay, what's her story? She's had a long-time boyfriend, but they haven't had sex together yet. Okay, what's going to happen here? Again, I'm not going to ruin it anymore. I knew where that was going. So overall, the show, listen, it's mildly amusing. I'll say this. My wife wants to watch it. Fine. It's nine episodes. I've already seen two. It's only 30 minutes. Once the Olympics over, maybe I'll pound through it all. I did like some of the jokes. There's some good one-liners. And Umrit Carr definitely stands out to me. But I can't imagine Chris Cody on a Friday night going to your wife, let's watch the sex lives of college girls. You know, I have not. That's a, that's a fair thing from you. No interest in that show. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you're honest. Uh, those are the new movies. No guests this week because we had so much with the Oscar nomination. So that's the wild card. And we have our new films. And then a word or two now about Heat. One of my all-time classics, of course. A group of high-end professional thieves start to feel the heat from the LAPD when they unknowingly leave a clue at their latest heist. Michael Mann's film, he wrote and directed it. I still love it as much as when I saw it in the 90s. By the way, a couple of reviews here with Tammy Faye. 
a Sandra Hall of Sydney Morning Herald. The film is a powerful indictment of America's evangelical right, but the one thing that Chastain can't quite do is to make Tammy likable. And Simran Hans of The Observer, the film spiles politely at Tammy Faye's tacky aesthetic without ever fully embracing it, a bad faith approach to its heroine, and the sex lives of college girls Richard Roper of Chicago Sun-Times. The likable actors work beautifully together as the roommates learn the ways of love and money. Joyce Slayton of Common Sense Media, bright, rowdy, and lots of fun. The sparkling series endears itself to viewers with fresh, funny writing and a quartet of lovable female characters finding their way into young womanhood. All right, let's get to heat. It's De Niro and Pacino. If you've never seen it, go see it. Honestly, it's just so atmospheric. I just love Michael Mann's sleek style and delivery. What he does here is so special because he takes... A classic crime film. It's a caper, right? De Niro's playing a bank robber. He's got his merry band of henchmen, but he also ties it together with a very adult drama. It's about relationships. It's about love. It's about walking on something if you feel the heat around the corner. It still holds up all these years later. It came out in 1995. Um, just the look of it, I think, is so great. It just feels so blue. You know, Michael Mann's got such great composition. As I mentioned, sleek is the word that comes to mind. The bank robbery itself is just so well edited. It's so well timed. Um, the crazy gunfire exploding in Los Angeles. I've been to the hotel. Uh, where the film was shot outside of it. And of course, the performances. Val Kilmer, I talked about Val, the documentary, earlier this year. It's great to see him back in this film playing Chris Chaharlis. His line deliveries are so understated. He's talking about Ashley Judd, with whom he has a very tumultuous marriage. And she kicks him out of the house. He drinks too much and all the rest of it. And De Niro says to him, you got something on the side? He says, nothing regular. He says, she got something on the side? He says, no. He goes, you sure? He says, no. And he says, you know, maybe it's time to move on. And he says, for me, the sun rises and sets with her. Great line there by Val Kilmer and a good line delivery. Um, Pacino, who, as you know, is my favorite actor. I love him, but I don't think it's one of his best movies because his character is just so over the top and prone to these crazy outbursts. You get killed walking your doggy. You know, the scene where he says to Hank Azaria, we've had Azaria here in Cinephile, another Metal Arc alumni, and I said the scene where Pacino's interrogating you and then says, because she's got a great ass and you got your head all the way up it. Azaria said, for Michael Mann, one take does not do. He does like 50 takes. And he said, you can hear this story. He told it on Cinephile. He said, after like 30 takes, Pacino's tired. I'm tired. Do it again. He goes, okay, I'm just going to go crazy over the top. And that's the take that Michael Mann used. And, and, it, and it said, scared the shit out of him genuinely, right? right? Don't you? Like, said, I think yes. I've heard that story before where he tells, yeah. he's like, he's like, the reaction you see from me is genuine. Like, holy shit. And that's the one yeah. they used. Yeah. He's like, what is going on here? So... At times, Pacino's character just appears to be spastic, and it's not his fault. It's Michael Mann's fault, because in the original draft, he's a recovering coke addict. So the reason why Pacino plays him that way is that he needs a little coke, he needs a fix, so sometimes he just screams, ah! Like, he just, he's just so over the top. But the reason I can't why imagine is... Al Pacino being over the top. Wow. <laughs> hey, I was honest. I said it's not one of his best performances. I'm being clear on this. I love the film, but I think at times he could have been a little more grounded. But he's playing a recovery coke addict. Like Michael Mann, this is why the danger of always trusting the director. An actor can do 10 takes and can say, okay, nine of the takes I like. But the 10th take, the director told me to do something. I wasn't crazy about it. And then that's the take they use. And unfortunately, in Heat, that happens a few times. However, it does not mar the film. De Niro is fabulous. I still remember the review. They it was Richard Corliss. He said, Pacino looks pasty and exhausted. De Niro, by counterpoint, is lean and mean. And he's so good playing Neil, this character who doesn't 
fall for Amy Brennan, but otherwise is very loyal to his trade. The coffee shop scene is still amazing. I saw someone tweet me the other day. Were they actually in the same room? Of course they were. There's many still photos. This is an urban myth that Pacino and De Niro were not together. Of course they're together. There's pictures of them together. I know the way he shot it was all over the shoulders. You don't see them in the same frame, but Michael Mann was even on uh, Bill Simmons's podcast, I believe. It wasn't the Rewatchables, but the BS podcast in which he laughed. He was like, I don't know where this comes from. Yeah, they were there. We used a lot of take five, if I recall, between Pacino and Darren back and forth. And the whole scene is Michael Mann said the key is when Pacino says, because they're both kind of like sharks circling each other, when Pacino says, my life, you know, my life's a disaster zone. That's the vulnerability. Once he strips that away, once he strips away his armor and shows that, then De Niro's Neil McCauley shows him a little bit more of his side as well. Heat remains a great crime classic, not just the sit-down between Bob and Al, two iconic actors, not just the bank robbery scene, but all the stuff in between. Uh, the scene where Kilmer unfortunately has to say goodbye to Ashley Judd. Dennis Haysburg, good actor, small role. What the hell are you proud of me, huh? His, uh, his storyline is very good. And Wayne Grow, what a great supporting actor. I haven't seen him in a lot. you got Henry Rollins in the movie. If you haven't seen Heat, haven't done so in a long time, I highly recommend checking it out. An iconic film from Michael Mann, which was completely ignored by the Oscars. And yet, you know, however many years later, 1995 it came out, people still talk about heat. A couple of reviews and we'll say goodbye. Anthony Lane of New Yorker, the taciturn De Niro and the braying Pacino. How about that? He just called Pacino a donkey. The only time he'd use the adjective braying is about a donkey. The taciturn De Niro and the braying Pacino share a flawless scene over a cup of coffee, but the real honors go to Val Kilmer and Ashley Judd as a warring, loving couple. Jonathan Rosenbaum and the Chicago Raider. There's nothing really new in this lengthy 1995 thriller by writer-director Michael Mann about cops and robbers in Los Angeles, but it has craft, pacing, and an overall sense of proportion, three pretty rare classic virtues nowadays. And one more from Stephen Ray of the Philadelphia Inquirer. So why doesn't Heat, with its elaborately staged, tautly edited robberies, its killer cast, edgy score, and elegant cinematography offer more satisfaction? It's the script, stupid. There are a couple of one-liners that you do roll your eyes at. The one time where Pacino's wife is, you know, challenging him on the fact he's not devoted to the marriage, and he says, I got to hold on to my angst. Keeps me sharp on the edge where I got to be. I'm like, come on. Another bad line, too. Pacino's sitting there, and he's trying to find Neil McCauley, De Niro's character, and he's there, and he goes, he's here. <laughs> I can feel it. I'm like, this is... A little cheesy. That is little cheesy. eye-roll-inducing. If I could go back to... I eat, can feel yeah, it. A little cheesy. Kind of, kind of a half a dozen of these lines. I can feel it, really. You can feel him walking around. A little ridiculous. Still a great movie, though. So those are the films for this week. The New, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I'll give it two Maple Leafs. Sex Lives of College Girls. <laughs> we'll give it a couple Maple Leafs. And Heat, of course, four Maple Leafs. Hope you enjoyed the in-depth breakdown of the Oscar nominations. And enjoy Chris Cody mm-hmm. coming to you from the Super Bowl. Make sure you check out the Love Tard show. They're going to have fresh content, of course, on their podcast. And as Chris said, Adam McKay, where and when can we see that? Next week, we're gonna, that's going to be available? No, that's going to be thir- – it's going to be – it's out right now. It's going to like – if you're listening to this, it's available now. If you're listening it- to this now, it's available now. Cody and the Pirate Ship. I'm not sure which episode in the Levitard feed, but it'll be it'll be available there. Adam McKay is part of the action. And next week, hopefully some big guests as we'll try to stand and deliver leading into Oscar season. Thank you so much, as always, for checking out Cinephile. I'll see you at the movies. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.